here. So um, let's see. So I want to take us back to a verse I've been using the last couple times I've spoke, just because it really struck me and it really has been motivating my digging in with God. And so I'll read it to you. Are you tired? You will be tired. No. Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So my goal today is that we continue to learn from Jesus how to live freely and lightly. But first, I have a little quiz for you. Now, I know you probably didn't. Now, you probably have noticed that children, at some point, learn to recognize their parents' voices, right? You know, father's voice, mother's voice. How early do you think that is? I mean, sometimes I doubt if it's really at age 25. But, you know, but if you were going to make a guess, how early do you think it is that children can actually recognize their father or mother's voice? Okay, before age five. Okay, fair enough. Anybody else have another guess? Oh, somebody read my notes. It is somewhere around 30 to 32 weeks of pregnancy they can recognize both their mother's voice and, in some cases, their father's voice. Hmm, interesting, right? You're, you are programmed to be able to hear and understand your father's voice. You know, we see that with kids. I was playing with, uh, with Sam here before, uh, before church started, and, uh, and Mike walked out of the room and he's like, Daddy, 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 you know. Uh, he certainly is programmed on that, and he certainly recognized that voice. You know, I, I played around it with my kids, not played around with it. We sort of had to when you were trying to get them to, to pay attention, right? And I don't know if you've done this but yeah, as parents, but I have at times used all of my children's given names. You know, my son happens to be Andrew James Leap. That got used a few times in his career as a child. And this, I was checking with Stephanie this morning. She didn't remember uh, us using or me using her full uh, name string, but uh, maybe it's because her first name was, you know, by the time she learned it, Stephanie, it was a what? Maybe she didn't need to hear the second one, you know. <laughs> but, you know, even at times as a parent, I've used all of my children's names. You know, you have to go through it. Andrew, Katie, Steph, oh, wait, wait, yeah, even you don't remember who you're talking to. Just use them all. <laughs> you know, that will catch somebody's attention and, and they will listen to you, right? And then when they hear you, it, it's very interesting as you watch them because their hello heads perk up and then they make a decision. Are they going to listen to you or not? And uh, when you say stop and they look at you like, hmm, I wonder if I'm far enough away I can just keep on going. And there they go. And, you know, children have a choice. And we've sort of been talking about that. You know, we talked a while back about Adam and Eve. Remember in the garden, they, they thought it would be cool or not cool. They decided they needed to hide from God. And God went, hey, where are you? Oh, you know, we didn't hear your voice. You know, we were, we were away. Or it was, uh, you know, others who did that. Let's see, uh, you know, Peter did that, right? You know, my namesake in the Bible. You know, he was, uh, he said, I don't even know the man. I don't even know you. Oh, wait a minute, that's not really that great. And, I, and I, I find I can do the same thing when it's coming to my listening and obeying God. 
I have to decide, am I going to listen to my father's voice? I appreciate what Ryan was sharing about the prodigal son. You know, at some point he said, you know what, I think it's time to go back and hear my father's voice. And so that really is where my title today comes from, Good Voices, Good Choices. Let's start off just reading about Jesus uh, in uh, John 10. You can certainly free to have a paper Bible. I've given you an electronic screen Bible, which you might have to put your reading glasses on to see, but I will also read it for you. So I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep's pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man who... The man... uh, The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Now, anybody here a shepherd? Have a flock of sheep at home? Had a goat. We'll talk about goats here in a little bit. That's that's another point here shortly. But but you know, I'm not a sheep guy. I grew up in cattle country and dairy country, not this side of the country, but on the other. And so I know more about cattle than I know about sheep. Um, And I I know a little bit about goats too, just because I've watched YouTube videos, right? But uh, but but what I understand, especially in in Middle Eastern, you know, uh, flocks and, and caring for sheep. They tend to intermingle them, and so shepherds uh, communicate with the sheep from the you know from their youth by talking to them and by having a, you know understanding the voice. And so, if you have a slow moment this week in your quiet time, just go to YouTube and look up uh, shepherds and voices, and it's very amazing how sheep just ignore anybody else and they listen to the voice of the shepherd. And uh, of course, they're using Arabic or something, so you know what they're saying to the sheep. But apparently the sheep liked it and they all like and they all kept running into the shepherd. But but I think it was I understand it's even more complicated than that because multiple shepherds would have multiple flocks in one area, right? And so if you lose the shepherd, you lose control over your sheep. So really the shepherd was able to have uh, his flock of sheep, uh, or actually maybe even her flock of sheep, you know, we think, with the way that shepherds were. And uh, they were intermingled, but when the shepherd called for them, they came out and they were they were separated uh, from the sh- from the, the flock there. And even at night, you know, when Jesus talks about being in the gate, the shepherd would lay down in the gate where the, of the area where the sheep were to protect them from the wolves. So the shepherd 
would basically laying down their life in a sense to protect the sheep uh, from uh, the enemy, from the lions, you know. And, and he says here, even this passage, that uh, if you don't go through this gate, if you don't go through the gate of Jesus, uh, that's the only way to be saved. That's the only way for the sheep to be saved. That's the only way for us to be saved because Jesus is willing to uh, lay down, you know, his life for us. And, and it's interesting now, as you, as you look, they put goats in there too, right? So, and I, I've only been around a few older goats. Uh, Robin Chandra's old, old goat was the oldest goat I've ever seen. I think it was 150 years old, right? Or something. <laughs> it wouldn't even eat grass anymore. It's like, just hand feed me, you know, hay, <laughs> or I will die. <laughs> but, uh, but in general, goats are, are much more independent. They, they don't have shepherds. You know, they, they uh, sort of listen to their own tune. And I was in California in, in uh, September, and I drove by a, a, a pen of, of goats. And it was, you know, it was, you know, probably about the half the size of this room. And there was rocks and equipment and stuff in there. And every goat was perched on every something different, on a rock, on a building, on a tractor. You know, they, they were not staying on the ground. They were all perched up, you know, checking things out and just being, you know, ridiculous, really, what goats do. And, and it's hilarious to watch goats, you know, because they, they like to knock each other down and just, you know, just crazy. And so as much as we're aware you know, with our YouTube experience or some of our real life experience, you know, people in the first century were totally aware of goats and sheep issues, right? You know, and so Jesus takes advantage of that and, and he shares with them. Well, he didn't hit the blackout button. There we go. Pick it up. Ah, oh, yes, here we go. So, uh, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is in Matthew 25, uh, and all the angels with him, he'll sit on the, on the throne in heavenly glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on the right and goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger and you invited me in and I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was a prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we, when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did, for one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me. So that's the, goat, that's the sheep's, sheep, rather. And then on the other side, the goats, he says, Then you'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you are cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and, I gave, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he'll reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. They will go away to eternal punishment for the righteous to eternal life. And though, it's quiet in here. Because it's so hot or because this is... Sometimes we look at this passage and we go, oh, that's about judgment. It's going to come judgment. I'm not going to know if I'm a sheep or a goat until judgment day. And then, oh my goodness, I'm going to find out, oh, I was a goat. I wasn't a sheep. Really? 
Have you been out to the pasture lately and looked at the goats and the sheep? Is there any question about who's a sheep and a goat? I mean, that's the the lesson here is that it's really about a choice. It's about a choice. Do I want to be a goat or do I want to be a sheep? Sheep listen to the the, uh, shepherd's voice. Goats just do what they want to do. You know, to the point when the sheep goes, what? I invited strangers in? I fed the hungry? I don't remember seeing you. I just did that, right? And Jesus said, hey, anytime you did it, you were doing it for me. And, And the goats, though, they say, well, we never saw you out there, Jesus, so we never fed you, clothed you. You know, took care of you in prison. We were looking for you. We didn't find you. That was the go away, right? It's just I'm going to wait for find that worthy person, someone that deserves, you know, what I'm going to do. And just well, you know, I'm going to separate you left and right. And that goat sort of thinking about listening to the voice. That goat behavior is not a winner. It's not going to not going to work. And so I think it's more so as thinking about not trying to be surprised, but how much more can I be like a sheep than be like a goat? You know, the, the passage that, uh, that stands out to me is, uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians, it says, uh, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. Hanging around with goats makes you a goat. Hanging around with sheep makes you listen to the shepherd. And that's really is about it. What voice you listen to, what voice you're hearing, it really does matter. It makes a difference. It is important. Um, and the most important thing is hearing the voice of, God, right? Hearing the voice of God. And there's a very great story in 1 Kings. We'll go there in a second about a guy named Elisha. Elijah, rather, with a J. Elijah. And so Elijah had had, had, had a great run. He, he had this test. He was uh, up against the, the prophets of Baal, remember, on the mountaintop. And so the prophets of Baal said, hey, we're going to uh, basically call down fire from Baal, you know, their pagan god. And so they, they started in the morning and they built the altar and put the wood up there and the sacrifice and they, they begged Baal, you know, for many hours to, to call down fire on this, even to the point where, uh, where uh, Joshua, or Elijah rather, was making fun of them and taunting them. You know, is your God busy? Is he tied up, right? Is he, you know, is he doing something else, right? And, uh, and then he takes his offering and they, I think they soaked it with water three times. They just drenched it till the water was. You know, if you were going to like, you know, try and light a fire on uh, an offering in the, in the uh, on the top of the mountain, drenching it with water isn't the way to do it. And then prayed to God, and God brought down and consumed it, consumed the altar. Just you know, it's all gone, right? And so uh, you know, God brings rain, and so. But then the enemies of, of Elijah were just basically trying to kill him, and he was really afraid. You know, it's, sometimes you can be afraid even after God's done an amazing thing, right? Let's, let's pick it up in, uh, in, uh, in 1 Kings, in chapter 19 and verse 10. He says, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, 
I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the, uh, to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, appoint, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, whatever, Meholah, to uh, succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, all whose mouths have not kissed him. <clears throat> so you're Elijah, and you feel like, I'm the only one. It's just me. And God's going... Hmm, here's Elisha, your replacement prophet is right here. You forget about him? Oh, and by the way, did you forget about the 7,000 in Israel who haven't bowed down to Baal who are faithful to God? You know, sometimes it's hard to hear God's voice when, with all the noise that's going on around us. You know, we, we, sort of, we think about in our own eyes, what could God possibly do? You know, what could God possibly do with me? What could God possibly do with our, our church? What could God possibly do with my kids, my family, my friends? And God's going, are you serious? You know, are you serious? Just remember, remember the story of Elijah. You know, he'd done great things. He forgot. He thought God was going to come in, a, in, a, in, a, in an amazing wind, amazing earthquake. And in the end, God just had a quiet voice. God wanted him to see and to hear what he had to say. You know, we need to think about the voices that we choose to be in our lives. You know, remember what's the, what's the lesson today? Good voices, good choices. All right, that's all I got to remember. Good voices in your life. You know, we need we need the Word of God speaking into our life to be able to hear the voice, to be able to understand it. We also need the Word of godly people in our life helping us to uh, to be able to put it into practice. You know, I think of one area. Let's see how this goes here. Okay. <clears throat> You know, here in, in Proverbs it says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. <clears throat> you know, I, I look at this and think about, for me, you know, Jeanette is my, is my uh, what does it say here, uh, noble character. She really is the one that I feel great about seeking advice and vice versa, you know, she seeks advice from me. But it, it really is just a model for the kinds of relationships that we can have with people that are close to us, right? We have the ability to go and seek that voice from someone else. And even the plans of the righteous are just. Think about it. How many times recently have you just reached out to somebody, hey, you know, give me some advice about this. Help me out with this. How many times have you said something and they said, well, that's... That's crazy, or that's sinful, or that's, you know, not saying that that's what they would happen, but we really, sometimes I don't ask for advice because I don't want to hear, you know. And I, to be real, to real, you know, true confessions here, when I buy motorcycles, I don't like to ask because Jeanette normally says no. <laughs> and one time I said, hey, you know, what do you think about me getting a new motorcycle? And I think she must have not been listening well, and she said, well, I'd probably be okay. I'm like, okay. So I went and got the pink slip, the title for my current motorcycle, drove up to the dealer and bought another one. And when I came back with it, she's like, what's that? <laughs> I said, that's the new motorcycle. You said it was okay. Well, I didn't say that. You know, I didn't really go for her for advice. I just sort of tried to sneak it in there, hoping I would get like a, that'll be okay. You know, and 
I, I've learned from that. I, I wouldn't do that. Um, I probably wouldn't do that again. <coughs> you guys will have to help me on that. Hold me accountable to uh, not being rash things. <coughs> but, you know, it, it's a principle. It's not just for married people, right? It's... Um, You know, it says here, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. <clears throat> you know, it's the whole idea. I think, you know, if, if you're as, if you've been around a long time, you know, like, like I don't know, if I have, Ralph has. He's older than me, I think. Well, maybe not. <clears throat> but we used to talk about, because you know, when you read this verse, it says, you know, well, you know, do I really need to seek advice? And, and so sometimes we would, we would say, well, you know, we would look more, what I'd say, for permission. You know, I want to do this. I want to go buy this motorcycle. Give me permission, right? <clears throat> Rather than saying, do you think this is a wise decision? And if, if someone came back and said, well, I don't, I don't know if it is wise or not. Or uh, Ultimately, for me, when I'm seeking advice, it's up to me to make the decision. Because I own the decision. I'm going to have to live with it. It's my decision, right? <clears throat> but I can sometimes avoid seeking advice because I'm afraid people won't agree with me. And so uh, it can become then feeling, well, if, if I can find enough people to line up with the way I'm thinking, then that will be a, a wise decision. And if I can't find enough people, then maybe I just shouldn't ask anybody. I'll get a, you know, an army of one in my head and get it approved. But really, either way, it's, it's still your decision. It's your, your choice. You know, we're getting over there almost to choices. You get your voices, you get your choices, right? And so what you're trying to do is do what? Not line up people to agree with you, but line up people who can help you understand what God's voice is, what God's decision would be, so that you can make a decision that's in line with what God's doing. And God puts people in our lives. I love this passage here. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It doesn't say imitate their actions. You know, I really respect you know, a person, so I will just do exactly what they do. No, it says, go look and see what people's, how their outcome of their life has been, and then from that, you can go and, and imitate the faith that they have. And it's so much harder to imitate somebody's faith. You know, it's so much easier just to do stuff. You know, if you say, get up and pray for 30 minutes every morning, well, I can do that, but can I pray Faithfully, or as Ryan was saying, can I can I really connect with God's mercy? Uh, you know, those are not things that I can just do. Those are things that are are much more than that, are much harder to get to, much harder to attain. I think that's the same way. Evaluating someone's faith is really drawn out by what they what's happened because of that faith. Where has that faith got them? You know, when I go and you know, I love what Dave Ramsey says, just to take a funny aside, he says, Don't take financial advice from broke people. <laughs> well don't take spiritual advice from spiritually broke people. Take spiritual advice from people that are that you want to imitate their faith because you've seen how that faith has played out in their lives. And it was really stunning for Jeanette and I. You know, I shared two weeks ago that, that our friend Wyndham Shaw had passed away, that many of you know. And, and so yesterday we went to, uh, to Wyndham's memorial down in Boston. I'll just throw this picture up there. You know, and, and if anybody I can think of that is the uh, epitome of this verse, uh, it's, it's a man like, like Wyndham. As far as looking at how he had taken his actions and his faith and how it had really played out in his life, uh, there was seven or 800 people at the memorial. It was very moving. A lot of people shared. Um, they, they showed some videos even of Wyndham speaking when he still could speak at the stage in his disease. <clears throat> and his focus really was solely about 
helping himself and his family have a, an eternal relationship with God. That's really that's the bottom line. <clears throat> that really, you know, he did a lot of other great things. You know, he loved to fish and hunt. You know, I think if Ryan was a little older, he would have loved to hung out with Wyndham um, from uh, what he shared. But really, that was that was the bottom line was helping people to have that relationship, you know, with God. And and really, not so much about you know the actions, but about the faith and the heart and the desire behind it. And I appreciate what Kristen was sharing about hope. Um, and but I remember Wyndham. Wyndham was the, the face of hope in New England for many years. He and I served on a, on, on the New England chapter's uh, board a long time ago. Um, you know, Wyndham, uh, he adopted a, a son from Romanian orphan home, right? Um, Jacob. So Jacob was there. His life, you know, that was, you, you've got your, your perfect family, and you say, I'm going to adopt a Romanian orphan, you know. And trust me, adopting a Romanian orphan uh, can have its challenges. Adopting any orphan can have its challenges. Um, but that kind of life, it inspired us. You know, we had, a, we had a foster child for a year because of that kind of example, that kind of spirit, that kind of heart um, that Wyndham ex- ex- exuded, you know. And, and I, I just look at, you know, as I and reflect, if anything, I, I have a regret because I could have taken more advantage of hearing a godly voice like that to help me make personally more godly choices. Not to say they were all my choices, and you know, and, and I think all the all the the decisions lied on me. But I'm so grateful that there was people in my life that could be that example and be the example for so many people. And I think the challenge for us is, you know, do we do we take advantage of that? Do we think about, oh wow, there's an example that I really want to imitate. Not that someone's forcing me to be different but that someone's helping me to really see what God's trying to say to me. And, you know, I would expand it to say there, there's areas where we, we just need to look for people to imitate, whether it's having a passion for God. You know, I'm going to go find somebody that has a passion for God, and I'm going to connect with them so that I understand their faith and I can imitate it. I'm going to go find somebody that has a passion for raising a godly family, that they've done it, and I can be like that. You know, that has a passion for helping the lost find Jesus, right? And I'm going to go imitate their faith. Because sometimes you just don't have your own faith. Let's just go imitate somebody's faith. And I, 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 I'm careful to say fake it till you make it, because I don't think that's quite it. But maybe it's faith it until you make it, right? <clears throat> Hear somebody else's voice. A lot of times I need a voice speaking into my life so that I can make a good choice. <clears throat> and so we'll jump on into good choices. Oops, did I... I get ahead of myself. Yeah. Okay. In Hebrews 4, it says, Therefore God set, set, again, set a certain day, calling it today, when a, a long, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So I think it's just something to remember is that you have the choice to decide, will my heart be soft? Will my heart be hard? You know, we... Uh, we have to think about what are we hearing from his voice? How do we put that into practice? How do we allow that to impact our lives? And a verse that we shared yesterday at the memorial that really stood out to me was this one from, uh, from um, Jeremiah. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. What we talked about earlier, how to live freely and lightly, how to find rest for our souls. Do you want to know a secret? 
It's right here. It's fine. Stand at the crossroads and ask what the good way is. And then decide to walk in it. And it's, it's no surprise, but we get to make that decision constantly. <clears throat> you know, I, again, as Ryan was sharing about, we make it at baptism. We make it a lot of times through our lives. We get to make it today. <clears throat> we get to decide, you know, am I going to choose God's path and find rest for my soul or am I going to take a different way? <clears throat> you know, and there's some things that help us. You know, we could ask God for wisdom. You know, in James, he says, if you lack wisdom, you just ask God. Because he gives generously to anyone without finding fault. And go, oh, you didn't know that? God never says, you didn't know that? God just says, okay, you need to know that? I can give you that wisdom. How does he give it? Godly voices. God gives you wisdom through his word. God gives you wisdom through other people. And God even knows that when you're tempted, uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has seized you except what's common to man. And God's faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, you also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. When you feel tempted, do you look for ways out? Do you ask, can you help me? I can't seem to find the way out. I feel lost. I feel stuck. I feel stranded. I feel like I can't move forward. I feel like I just, I'm almost at the point where I have to sin. Like God's expecting me to sin here. And we know that God's faithfully, He's not set it up that way. He's made it so that you can get away from it. You can avoid it. You can get out of it. You know, I think sometimes it's just even making the choice that God's good enough. That I, whatever else is sort of alluring me, making getting my heart, getting my interest, I don't need it. I don't need satisfaction from the world. You know, he said, remember in Psalm 23, I, I, I lead you, he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I learned something quiet waters are a bad thing it's because they, they're nasty water you don't want to drink quiet water you want to drink moving water right if you've been up in the mountains so the shepherd was leading the sheep beside still waters so for them to avoid it to protect them to keep them safe God's doing that for me he's leading me behind temptation leading me beside uh, around things that are going to pull me under you know Jesus told me that, that he has a, a peace that passes understanding that transcends understanding People just don't get the peace that we get. They don't understand it because we have a peace that comes from God. We know that He's leading us. We know that He's working through even in those difficult times. You know, He's given me a purpose to help people to seek and to save the lost. You know, He's given me God is my great reward. I have a reward that people don't understand. You know, it's you know that's um, what I have in in God. You know, and I'd like to spend just a minute as we as we start to wrap up about um, what I want to call spiritual transformation. Uh, A lot of times you read about spiritual formation. And we think about how do we grow spiritually? How do we make great choices? How do we move ahead? And sometimes it can be, well, how do I manage my sin? Anybody ever tried to manage sin? I'm just not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to hang around those people. We really, you know, oh, I've sinned. I've got to repent of it. And you do. And I've got to ask for forgiveness of God. You do need to do that. But it's not about am I forgiven? Am I not forgiven? How big is my pile? Am I a goat? Are you a goat? I sinned. I'm a goat. I've repented. I'm a sheep again. No, no, you've been a sheep all along. You're not a goat. 
What does it say here? It says that, you know, as man is destined to die once and after that face judgment, so Christ sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You know, Jesus is not coming back to forgive your sins in that sense. He's, you've been forgiven of your sins. He's coming back to take you home. He's coming back to bring you through that final gate, that final gate of salvation. That's what he's all about. And on that lines, it's really about... Um, you know, God is wanting to help us. He says to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, it says here that, and we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, who is the Spirit. God wants us to continue to be changed, to be transformed, to become more like him, more connected with him. You know, it's exciting to see our new, our new brothers in Christ, right? To see Joe and Lane, you know, begin their transformation journey. Um, I'm thinking here, it's so hot in here. I was wishing I had worn my zip-off hiking pants, right? So I, I can just like zip them off right now. Um, but I'll leave my shirt on. You know, it's tempting to roll up my sleeves. But just uh, think about how is it that we can make this journey of transformation? We, I really appreciated what Rob was sharing, just about you know making you know time to have space with God. You know, and that's that's on on my list here. You know, the whole idea of do we ever get time to have solitude when nothing is banging at our door? When we get a time to reflect and hear the whisper of God's voice, you know, to take some time, you know, to be silent. <clears throat> to be silent before God um, or to be still and just to be quiet. I appreciate what Ralph did last week about having us be quiet for a minute. I have a hard time being quiet in my head for a minute or two or three or four. But have you ever you know, taken the time just when you're praying, I'm just going to spend some time and, and listen for God. What's God trying to say to me? <clears throat> What's he trying to communicate to me? Um, you know, as... I think Ryan was sharing about just memorizing, right? Memorizing prayers or uh, scripture rather, so that the word of God can come out. I find this weird. It's like when I'm, I'm like preparing this lesson and others. Sometimes I'll wake up with a scripture on my mind. Like, why am I thinking about that scripture? You know, <clears throat> why is it in my head? You know, even in my life, why is it when I'm in a situation? Why is God putting this thought um, on my mind? Well, because he's put the word in there so it really could help me connect with him. <clears throat> you know, or maybe it's just even more general, just a meditation. Let me just reflect. You know, it's a beautiful day out. The sun's rising. I want to think about that. Think about what is God trying to tell me? <clears throat> maybe it's, you know, we, you have a chance to, to um, catch up on my slides. Maybe it's just in secret giving or secret serving, or just nobody knows. A way to connect and, and to be like God. Maybe it's in, in fasting. Just different ways. And, and if you do a little bit of a search and some study about spiritual formation, you can find other, other disciplines that will help you connect with God. Sometimes it's just taking the time to step back and say, you know, God's enough. You know, I have enough. I have enough stuff 
But whatever I'm going through, like my friend Wyndham, who spent five years going through multiple system atrophy, and he resolved at the beginning of it to be joyful and grateful and, and happy throughout it. He, you know, he, he said along with Job, it's like, how could I take good things from God and not accept bad things as well? And I know for me, my list of what's bad is much, I, I put stuff in the bad column much quicker than, than Wyndham did, right? You know, I said, this is bad. This is not really bad. I want to be a sheep. I want to listen to what God's saying to me. You know, and I think about it sometimes. This, you know, isn't discipling really about helping us to be more like Jesus? You know, have you really finished growing in your walk with Jesus? Are you done? Anybody done here? I'm not done. I got, you know, ask anybody, ask my wife, you know, if, if she will always tell the truth. Well, I don't think so, at least to me. But, um, you know, there's so much more to be formed in us, so much more things that we can grow in and change in and help us to, to live how to live freely and lightly. Because that's really the secret, isn't it? The secret of godly choices is not making the choices. It's making them and feeling like they are free and light. You know, the reason we don't make them is because they feel hard and difficult, right? And yet, that's really what we're looking to. We're looking to, the, to get the help from folks that have gotten to the point where we observe the outcome of their way of life and they're living freely and lightly like my friend Wyndham in the midst of dying and suffering. Uh, suffering as bad, I would think, as Job suffered, right? And yet being able to have that free and light spirit, that trust in God. So in closing, I want us to think about what Moses said to, uh, to the Israelites before they entered the promised land. You know, so he had you know, clearly had a, a long journey with them. He had gone through the desert for 40 years. It, it turns out at the end that he's not going to get to go into the promised land, but he gives them a charge. And he says to him in Deuteronomy 30, he says, See, I said before you today, life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command uh, you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees and laws, that then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, goat, right? If you decide to be a goat, <clears throat> And if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, and I declare to you this day, you'll, be, you'll certainly be destroyed. <clears throat> you will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you <clears throat> that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life, and you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he'll give you many years in the land. He swore to give you your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> See, Moses was a foreshadowing of what God calls us today. <clears throat> he calls us to, to decide to choose life, to decide to listen to the voice and hold fast to him. Remember what we read back in, in Jeremiah. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it, and you'll find rest for your souls. Amen.